And I titled the message, The Great Conspiracy. Lord willing, we're going to finish this chapter. Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. And for that, the Jews hate him. The Bible says many believed on him, uh, but the Pharisees and chief priests, uh, they are determined to put him to death. And and uh, so we're going to talk about this uh, this uh, cabal, this conspiracy. So we'll read our text, then we'll have a special and get into the message tonight. John chapter 11. You can remain seated, but please follow along with me as I read. John chapter 11, we'll begin reading in verse 45. The Bible says, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on Him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the chief of the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, that the whole nation perish not. This spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation, not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that, are, that were scattered abroad. Then from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put him to death. Jesus therefore walked no more openly among them, but went thence into a country near to the wilderness, into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. And the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus, and spake among themselves as they stood in the temple, What think ye, that he will not come to this fe the feast? Now both the chief priests and Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it that they might take him. Let's pray together. Father, how joyfully we approach your word tonight. Father, reminding ourselves once again that you are the great God. And Father, there is nothing, there is nothing that happens in this world. There's nothing that happens in our lives that is beyond your sovereign control. And Father, we joy in that because we trust you and we love you. And Father, while you have given us commandment to preach the word and give the gospel to every creature, Father, as we live in a day where evil men and seducers wax worse and worse, Father, we know that we can be faithful and we can trust You. So, Father, I pray that You'd help us, Father, to see through the smoke, the mirrors. Father, that we would see the true conspiracy as it rages in our world today. Because, Father, You've told us in Your Word, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers. So, Father, I pray that knowing this, 
we would equip ourselves for battle. Father, we would battle effectively. Father, walking in truth. Casting aside sin. Father, remaining faithful. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Give us of your spirit. Father, I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit tonight. And, and use me as I preach your word to encourage the hearts of your people. We love you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Elizabeth, uh, they'll be with us for a few more weeks, and uh, thank you so much. John chapter 11, the great conspiracy.
September 11th, 2001, America was attacked. Not since the JFK assassination has a national tragedy been so heavily imprinted upon the American minds, and uh, nor has one given quite as many alternative explanations. You know, back in 2006, a poll was taken and 42% of Americans believe that the government and the 9-11 Commission, I quote, concealed or refused to investigate critical evidence that contradicts their official explanations of the September 11th attack. You know, a lot of it surrounded why the planes weren't stopped and why NORAD didn't, wasn't scrambled to uh, intercept these passenger airliners. And, and, uh, but, you know, regardless of proof or lack of proof, that doesn't stop conspiracy theorists. I, I was interested, some of the, the, the top ten conspiracies, I, I, uh, I might be sticking my, uh, putting a stick in a hornet's nest here, but uh, uh, I just wanted to mention these. And I don't think these are in any particular order. Uh, the JFK assassination. The 9-11 cover-up, Area 51 and the aliens, Paul McCartney is dead, secret societies control the world, moon landings were faked, flat earthers, Holocaust denial, uh, the CIA and AIDS, the rep no, this one actually made me laugh, the reptilian elite, and yes, I said that right, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, uh, you'll have to look that one up. You know, a lot of a lot of the conspiracy stuff on the internet's nonsense. But now there have been real conspiracies. One such conspiracy is in our text tonight. There there have been a lot of cover-ups, Watergate, and a lot of CIA involvement in 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 different places, and things happening that weren't supposed to be happening, and and uh, it might have been covered up for a period of time, but at some point the truth came out, and you know, other things we're not so sure about, and there's. A whole lot of speculation and conjecture that goes on. You know, things pointed out like the Federal Reserve's banking system and why that got started and Masonic symbols in Washington, D.C., the Trilateral Commission, the U.N. And you say, Pastor, don't you believe in conspiracies? Uh, well, do evil men gather and devise evil plans? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And to that, I offer John chapter 11 as evidence. You know, but, but understand that I don't have to read up on every new conspiracy theory in order to make a judgment on it. Because there is a greater conspiracy that is going on. And this conspiracy connects all the other conspiracies together. Even the made up ones. And that is Satan's conspiracy against God. You know, this is the conspiracy that, that every child of God, every citizen of the kingdom of heaven should be concerned about. Now again, I'm not saying that the others don't have have some some credence, but but understand that 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 when when it comes to Satan's conspiracy against God, that should be our primary focus. You know, sometimes I hear about Christians as they banter and back and forth about different ideas. Uh, uh, even recently, Christian leaders talking about uh, uh, Washington, D.C. and and uh, even the way it's laid out in the architecture and, and, and things. And, and, uh, and coming to the conclusion, Christians should stay away from there. You know, listen, going on a tour of Washington, D.C. is not going to hurt your spirituality. Okay, the the way the system is laid out, uh, the way the city is laid out and and uh, even some of the occultic symbols that you'll find there. Listen, you don't have to be afraid of that. 
Because if you're in Jesus Christ, you have already been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And listen, I want to remind you, the wicked one cannot touch you. So you don't have to worry about that. Now, we do need to be wise. We do need to understand the times. Jesus commanded us to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. So, there is a reality. There is a conspiracy. But Satan is at work. And the, 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 the way that we, we, we respond to this conspiracy is the same that it's always been. We've been given instruction from the Word of God. Just a few points I want to give you tonight about this great conspiracy. First of all, number one, the great conspiracy is that Satan is trying to diminish God's glory. Satan, our adversary, God's adversary, is trying to diminish his glory. See, he's working to undermine and steal the glory that God is due for creating him as the archangel Lucifer and creating the rest of the heavens and the earth. And the Bible says that all his creation, the heavens declare the glory of God. You know, at some point after his creation, the archangel decided that he was deserving of the glory that God received. And the Bible describes for us in Isaiah chapter 14 that as the archangel Lucifer, Isaiah 14 verse 12, How art thou fallen, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit down, sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. You see, the Bible tells us that as such, He was cast out when iniquity was found in Him. And Jesus even testified during His earthly ministry, I saw, I beheld Satan as lightning. And he was cast as He was cast to this earth. And, and ever since that day, He was cast to this earth. Satan has been actively working to steal, to hide, to tarnish the glory of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in unto them. We see Satan busy at work beginning in the third chapter of Genesis as he comes and, and, and he tries to involve Adam and Eve to be a, he recruits them and enlists them as a part of his conspiracy, tempting them, deceiving them, telling them that God has lied to them and, and uh, that, that, that they will not surely die. They'll be as gods. They will know good and evil. And, and of course, all creation has since fallen under the curse. We find him three chapters in. We find him Last mentioned, three chapters out. Three chapters from the end. Even as late as in the story as Revelation chapter 20, as he has been bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years and then he's loosed, the Bible says, for a short time. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 8, then he shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. You see, our adversary Satan is trying to diminish God's glory. You know, back in John chapter 11, Jesus told us His purpose. What was the purpose that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? To glorify God. Look back at chapter 11, verse 4. 
This is in response to the message that that was sent by Mary and Martha. Verse four, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God might be glorified thereby. See, the purpose for this miracle is simply the glory of God. And and I want to remind every one of us tonight uh, from the onset of this message that the more God is glorified, the more Satan hates it and the more Satan fights against it. See, you need to remember that. You know, we the Bible tells us are, are in a battle. We have an adversary. One of the reasons that Satan is fighting you so hard is because the more God is glorified, the more Satan hates it. And the more he fights against it. See, when you're in the throes of temptation, you need to remind yourself of what's at stake. This isn't just about uh, about me, uh, 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 you know, submitting, uh, succumbing to a lust of my flesh, or, or or about what my flesh wants, or about my pride. Listen, the objective is clear. It always has been, and always will be, about the glory of God. You see, some of you fight. And uh, it's so hard to resist that temptation and, and, and you fight so hard to stand strong. And, and uh, why is it so hard? Be- because Satan is working day and night to diminish the glory of God. Stand strong, brother. Stand strong, sister. Because, listen, you, you, you standing strong and fighting the good fight of faith will bring God glory now. And the Bible tells us that the day is coming that you will be glorified as well. Romans chapter 8, verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. See, what is the great conspiracy? It is Satan at work to diminish the glory of God. Let me say this secondly. Number two, Satan enlists unbelievers, even religious unbelievers, to participate in his conspiracy. Now, we're here in chapter 11. I want us to look a little bit uh, deeper into this text. Now, the people involved, could we turn the fan down just one notch? It's blowing my, the pages of my Bible. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, and uh, the people involved in this conspiracy should be really eye-opening for us. This, this isn't the Romans. This isn't Herod or, or, or Pilate. This is the Jews. And not just any Jews. These are the leaders of God's covenant people. These are the chief priests. These are the religious leaders. Those who have given themselves to, 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 to the upholding, the keeping of God's holy law. And the Bible tells us here, look again at verse 47. Then gathered the chief priests and Pharisees a council and said, what shall we do for this man doeth? Many miracles. See, the chief priests and Pharisees convened a council meeting, the, the Sanhedrin. And, uh, and together they, they, they meet. And now typically these two groups didn't get along well, very well with each other. And we find that other places in scripture, but, 
but uh, but but I want to remind you that when it comes to to uniting against Jesus Christ to 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 uh, to fight against the glory of God, that there is an ecumenical uniting. The, these people who are at disagreement, who are at odds, will come together. And false religions and 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 and, and false cults that they'll come together if it, if it if it is working together against the glory of God. You know the old adage: "The enemy of my enemy is my friend." You know these men have not had common ground until now, but they come together. They decide they're in this together, and they have one purpose, and that is how to keep Jesus from gaining a greater influence than he already has. They say it right here. Uh, you know, what, what should we do? This man doeth many miracles. Verse 48, if we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. The Romans shall come and take away our place and nation. You know, they're, 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 they have one purpose. How to keep men from believing in him. You know, it's almost as if they, they, they see Jesus, he's performing these miracles and Wow, he's getting better at it. I mean, you know, before it was a lame man by the pool of Bethesda, and then it was a blind man, and, and now it's raising a man from the dead, and, you know, who knows what's next? They, 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 they think that he's going to sway more and more people, and they feel passionately, urgently, it's their responsibility to stop him. It's interesting that one, there's one subject that does not come up. They don't, they, they don't disavow his miracles. They acknowledge, they speak to the truth. This man, notice the last phrase there, verse 47. Would you read it with me? For this man doeth many miracles. They, they, they acknowledge the fact that God's power, God's hand is on him. And uh, listen, if Jesus really is the Christ, is he, if he really is one that is sent from God, then what should their response be? They should repent. They should believe in Him. But, but they're too worried about holding on to their political power. They're too worried about the status quo. And, and by the time we get to verse 53, let, let's look down at it. Verse 53, they've come to their decision. Then from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put Him to death. After Caiaphas, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but after Caiaphas speaks, they come to the conclusion that He must Die. Now, we've seen this uh, already several times in the Gospel of John. But when they were picking up stones in John chapter 8, John chapter 10, understand that it was in the heat of the moment. They, they were enraged by something that Jesus said to them. This is different. This is deliberate. Jesus has already given them the signs that they had asked for, but they reject Him anyway. They've already reached They've already rendered a verdict. You know, later on at Jesus' trial, Caiaphas, he, when he hears Jesus say that He's the Son of God, Caiaphas pretends to be enraged at Jesus' blasphemy. Caiaphas has already made the decision. The Sanhedrin has already decided. You know, he exclaims that what what need have we further of further witnesses? This man he pronounces Jesus to be worthy of death. Listen, that's all a sham. The verdict was reached here in verse fifty three of John chapter eleven. Without witnesses, without testimony, Jesus was to die. And so this conspiracy 
enlists unwitting, even uh, religious unbelievers, even religious unbelievers. But I want us to notice also that the conspiracy is effective in keeping men from seeking and finding Jesus. Look at verse 54. Therefore, Jesus walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence into a country near to the wilderness, into a city called Ephraim. There continued with his disciples. So, verse 54 tells us that Jesus is no longer able to go back to Jerusalem. Verse 57 tells us there's an APB on, on uh, Jesus. Anybody that sees him, anybody that knows him is, is to report so the, the, the religious leaders can have him arrested. And, uh, and Jesus, uh, has, uh, has, has, uh, it was, was not able to go back to Jerusalem. He comes, uh, back when it's time for him to go to Jerusalem and in chapter 12 to Bethany to be, uh, to, to be anointed and then on into Jerusalem as he rides in. Uh, verse chapter 12 tells us uh, for the Passover as he's ready to be offered as the Lamb of God and the crowds are shouting Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And and uh, and, and as he arrives at Jerusalem that final time, see this conspiracy. Verse 55 and verse 56 tells us that there are Jews that are coming early into Jerusalem. They have uh, because of maybe their profession or other life circumstances, they have become ceremonially unclean. They need to go through that that process of purification, and so they they, they come early to be purified before the Passover, so they can participate in the the, the various uh, events and and uh, and festivities. and And the Bible tells us here in verse fifty six that these who are coming are in the temple and they're discussing among themselves: Is Jesus? Really going to show up? Is he going to come? And, and they're wondering, they're, they're pondering and discussing this, this subject matter. See, I want to remind all of us that the conspiracy, Satan's conspiracy, will have its successes. Now look at our world today. The glory of God tarnished, hidden, diminished as, as Satan has blinded. You know, I, I think about, uh, Satan's theory of evolution. You know, the idea that, that, that uh, life sprang from nothing and that there is no Creator God and, and, and what all that Satan has done to hide and, and, and tarnish the glory of God. You know, the conspiracy will have its successes in keeping men from seeking and finding Jesus. And I want to remind you and I tonight, that's why it's so vitally important that you and I continue to speak the truth. We keep preaching the truth. Listen, in a day and a time when the deception is everywhere, we stand for the truth of the Word of God. Paul told Timothy, he said, as he's speaking about the last days, he said that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. He says, but you, Timothy, he says, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. You see, we must continue teaching and preaching the Word of God. I want to remind you that as we stand and we preach the truth, not only does it apply to the great conspiracy, but every other conspiracy as well. Everywhere we go, we preach the truth of God and His Word. And and where darkness abounds, you and I must, must shine the light. I want us to notice next that God is sovereign over conspiracies. And God uses Satan's conspiracies Man's conspiracies 
to bring His will to pass. You know, to read this passage, I want us to look again at Caiaphas and his, his speech. John chapter 11. I want us to read the last phrase of verse 49 and verse 50. And I want us to consider what Caiaphas prophesies. It starts with the word ye. Ready? Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. Boy, to read that passage and understand, boy, it puts you in awe of God. You know, this secret meeting of religious leaders designed to dispose themselves of the Son of God you know, and, and, and yet all the while, God is there at that meeting and God is orchestrating th- what they are even speaking about and, and they're speaking things that they don't even understand the significance of what they're saying and they're making prophecies about the very Son of God. This group of religious leaders think that they're calling the shots. They're not calling the shots. God calls the shots. See, Jesus is going to be killed, not because a group of angry men decided, as we read there in verse 53. No, Jesus is going to die because God ordained it. He was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Back in John chapter 10, Jesus had said He was going to lay down His life. No man's going to take it from Him. Jesus didn't die because this, this, this evil cabal, they get together and they, they, they plan and scheme how they're going to destroy Christ. Jesus said, no man taketh it from me. I lay it down of myself. Oh, listen. Listen, friend. God is sovereign. God is, God, God's reign over the affairs of, of mankind extends to every area of life, every area of our culture, politics, religion, social, spiritual, listen, everywhere. And listen, if, if, if you're not, if, if you don't understand and live your life acknowledging that God is sovereign over the affairs of men, then you're going to live your life fighting it. You know, here in this verse, Caiaphas, you know nothing at all. You know, this ruthless and corrupt politician. And, uh, and of course, they, the, the, the Sadducees, very crude with their words. And, and uh, he means this, you know nothing at all. He's, he's, he's speaking to the other Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin. And, and, and take it as, as, as every bit as rude as you understand that comment to me. And, uh, and, uh, and, and of course, it tells us here that Caiaphas is the high priest that year. And of course, we're going to see the phrase, that phrase again, that year. And, and that, of course, John is, is referring to the year that Christ died. And, and, uh, and Caiaphas is this kingpin, if you will, behind the, the, the murder of Jesus Christ. But as a high priest, he was a Sadducee. And, and, and what I find so interesting is one of the things that the Sadducees and the Pharisees disagreed on was the resurrection from the dead. Remember when we went over that uh, over a year ago from the, the, the book of Acts as Paul addresses the Sanhedrin and, and uses that divisiveness. And, and why is the Sanhedrin even meeting? Because Jesus has raised someone from the dead. 
Because He is the resurrection and the life. Rather than say that their beliefs were wrong, they figured they would just they just kill the one who's proven them to be wrong and, and, and their beliefs to be wrong. But, but, but Caiaphas makes these true statements. He thinks he's being pragmatic. He thinks he's being political. But he does not have a clue as to the significance of his words. Listen, Caiaphas, an a, 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 a evil man, a corrupt man, never spoke truer words. Look again at verse 50. Nor consider... That it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people. Oh, these are inspired words. He doesn't even know it. You could almost say he's like Balaam's donkey. Speaking truth, he doesn't understand. You know, here in this passage, you know, we have a true statement, a prophecy made by one of the avowed enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, someone once took all the various statements and in Scripture of the enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and they put them in a book. Titled that book, The Gospel of the Enemies of Christ. Make an interesting study. But, but, but Caiaphas is saying something he doesn't even realize. In fact, he means it entirely different than, than, than by, than different by what he says. He, he's thinking, well, if we, if we get rid of Jesus, we, we have a choice. We either get rid of Jesus or Rome gets rid of us. You know, it's, it's better for us to kill one man, though he's innocent, though he's done nothing wrong, than to have Rome destroy us. See, and what he doesn't realize is as the Son of God, Jesus would die for the sins of the whole nation. In fact, He would die for the sins of the whole world. And John points that out here in these next few verses as John gives commentary on Caiaphas' words. Look at verse 51. This spake He not of Himself, but being... High priest that year prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. Not for that nation only, but that He should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Oh, what an amazing truth. You know, the thought that other people other than Jews could be right with God, that was something that Caiaphas would have, would have opposed. That would have been completely foreign to his, his way of thinking. But the Holy Spirit is uttering truth in prophecy through the lips of Caiaphas, and Caiaphas doesn't even realize it. But you know, there's something tragically ironic about Caiaphas' words. You know, as a politician, as, as uh, concerned about politics and, and, uh, and, and uh, Roman occupation and the greater good of the people, if you will, he, he says, if we don't kill Jesus Christ, then Rome may destroy us. Now, what's so ironic about that? Because they did kill Jesus Christ, Rome destroyed them. You see, it was, it was, it was their rejection and crucifixion of Christ that led to God, God, God setting Israel aside. And in AD 70, Titus with the Roman army came and destroyed Jerusalem and leveled it to the point that there was not one stone left upon another as Jesus prophesied in Luke 19. And you got to step back and wonder, how could Caiaphas be so deceived? He thinks it is best for the people that they would kill one man so Rome would not destroy them. How could he be so deceived? How could he be so wrong? How could he think 
that crucifying one who's been sent from God, one who's, who's God's hand is upon, how do you think that would work out better for the nation of Israel? You see, he's a part of the great conspiracy. You know, Paul, for just a moment, entertains a what if. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Caiaphas was deceived. And here in this passage, Paul says, what if they had known? What, what if? What if the powers that be, Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin, Pilate and the Roman authorities, what if? What if they had known? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Paul writes, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of the world that come to naught. But we speak of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. Notice, for had they known it, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, Satan is at work in this great conspiracy. But I want to remind you that God is in control. And God uses the conspiracies of wicked men to bring His will to pass. That's why the Bible tells us again and again that we need not fear. We need not live in fear concerned with what this group is doing or what that country's doing or what that politician's group doing or this political group. L listen, we, we are citizens of heaven. And, and yes, we preach the truth and we love our country and we stand for what is right, but we're salt and we're light in this world. But understand that we are, we are a part of the kingdom of God. See, how do we fight this conspiracy? Conclusion, just three thoughts. Number one, we've already mentioned it. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. The Bible tells us, preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Rebuke, reprove, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. The Bible tells every single one of us, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Oh, listen, I want to remind us tonight, what people need to know is not how bad the deception is. Listen, they, they don't need us talking about the conspiracy. Oh, you heard what's happening here. What's happening there. Listen, they need to hear about Christ. They need to hear about Jesus. Listen, when they, when they place their faith in Jesus Christ, they're delivered from everything else. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12, I referenced it earlier, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Oh, listen, yes, there's a lot of darkness out there. A lot of uh, principalities and powers. The Bible speaks of all that. But if you are in Christ, you've been delivered from the power of darkness. And you've been translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. 
Oh, listen, people don't need to know how, how, how powerful the darkness is. They need to know how powerful the blood of Jesus Christ is. How they can be forgiven of their sins. How they can be delivered from darkness. From the wickedness of this world. We need to preach the Word. Another thing we need to do is keep our focus on eternity. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1, would you read beginning in verse 1 with me? Ready? If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Oh, listen, I... I understand you, and, 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 and as Christians, as lovers of what is right and true, we should be concerned, but we need to keep our focus on eternity. Set your affection on things above. Yes, we live here, but our affection, our love is on what is eternal. We're grateful for everything that God has given us. We're so grateful for this country and and the freedoms that we have. Even the freedom to gather tonight and and, and to preach the Word. But I want to remind us that in the darkness of this world around us, with the conspiracies that are raging, we live with eternity in view. We set our affection on things above. Preach the Word. Keep your focus on eternity. And last of all, be faithful. Be faithful. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye, you know, can you say it with me? Steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Oh, let's be steadfast. Let's be unmovable. Let's be abounding in His work. Let's not be distracted with this cause or, or, or that cause, with this kingdom or that kingdom. Let's not get distracted by what's going on in the world around us. Oh, listen, there, 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 there are many, many ways that we as Christians can get our eyes off the Lord and, and, and get distracted with the things of this world, the cares of this life. And, and, uh, and listen, we need to be, we, we need to, to walk with the Lord and, and walk in faith and we need to fill our hearts and our minds with the truth of the Word of God and study the Word and love the Word and, and, and love the Savior. Oh, may God help us be faithful. Be faithful till the Lord calls us home. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.